The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, buddy. Nice and simple this time. <clears throat> in a world of Veltima fungicide, five feet reign supreme. Hey, remember, less dramatic? Five feet. Just five feet. Five feet. Nope. 60 inches. Look, man, just say Veltima fungicide lets you treat corn as early as five feet. Nice. Veltima fungicide from BASF. Coming sooner to a field near you. Always read and follow label directions. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right, it's another episode of Film Study. We're going to look at preseason game two, uh, which the Ravens won, as you know, 26-13 over the Packers, even though score doesn't really matter. 
Um, and we're looking at this on Saturday, August 17th, kind of just to timestamp it so you know where in training camp we're at with cuts and all that because a lot of stuff will change in the next few weeks. Kemi Kuzik, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? Not bad. It's a little rainy down here in Florida, but that's okay for for a Saturday. I don't mind. Yeah, I'm outnumbered. Couple couple of uh, Florida guys on the phone. Jacksonville <laughs> and Miami here. Yeah, it's so, been raining a lot down here too. All right, the voice you're hearing there is is Justin. You may know him as Engraven Vids uh, from uh, his YouTube stardom. But uh, Justin, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing really good, really good. Trying to stay dry, but things are going pretty good. Appreciate you guys having me on today. Uh, we've been looking forward to it, Justin. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with your your YouTube videos on the Ravens and mm-hmm. uh, and some of your background as well. Um, been a Ravens fan for a while now. Uh, I was introduced to um, the Ravens around about ninety nine two thousand. Uh, my my uncle took me to a football game, took me to a Ravens game, and just uh, the atmosphere was crazy. Um, just being there, and, and I believe the game was against, I'm not sure if it was against, I think it was against the Titans, I believe. Um, but went to the game, loved it, fell in love with it, and just started following uh, ever since. Um, and then as far as with YouTube, with YouTube, I had played a lot of the Madden series, the franchise, and um, but then one, one day got the opportunity to... Uh, just talk about talk about a Ravens game. Talk about a Ravens post game, and just stuck with it from there. Just kept on doing it every week from there, and then just transitioned the channel uh, from doing Madden videos to doing the Ravens videos, and then just really transitioned to all the football period, and not just Ravens. And but fell in love with it, and this is taking off a little bit, but I, I I enjoy it a lot, a whole lot. Now I think I think I see you have eighteen thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. That's that's remarkable. I, I, I'm not sure if YouTube numbers are very different from like podcast subscribers. Anyway, I expect them to be larger. It's a, you know, it's a bigger platform, but uh, that's still remarkable. Yeah, it's, I, I appreciate it. It's different, but it's 18,000 is 18,000 no matter how you look at it. That's a good amount of people interested in what you're doing. So that's exciting. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it, it, has, um, it has grown uh, a good amount, um, especially from last year, and just the the way that I've been doing things has changed over time. And I'm still looking to, to improve on a lot of stuff too. But um, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a whole lot of fun, and um, yeah, it's it's been a process, but it's it's been a lot of growth with the process. Uh, so yeah, it's it's interesting. So I, I look forward to how it goes this year, um, especially just uh, being able to do a lot more and and just really being a lot more involved with a lot of different things too. Uh, so it should should increase some more too. But, all right. How often right. are you currently posting, and is or is that expanding? I guess is what you're saying for this coming season. You plan on posting even more videos? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's been busy because now that I do the YouTube like full time, um, then it's 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 been a lot of work. It's fun work, but it is still work. Um, but yeah, I, I post videos every single day. Usually every day is about two videos. Sometimes it depends on what's going on. It could be more. Um, it could be less. It's rarely less though, but it's usually about two videos a day at minimum. Um, so it's always fresh content every single day. Um, I do questions from subscribers, similar, similar to how you guys do the, uh, the mailbag. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's very, uh, subscribe, subscriber, uh, subscribers can engage a lot. Uh, in the channel. Uh, so they have plenty of ways where they're, they're a big part of it. They are the biggest part of it. It is team, keep it clean. 
Um, so it's family friendly content. Everybody can listen, no matter how young, no matter how old. Uh, it's it's for everybody. So. All right. Well, that's awesome. Right. Well, why don't we get into well. I'd say get into the Ravens game, but there was news outside of the game that really kind of colors everything that we'll talk about today. And Ken, you want to start with uh, Tavon Young news? Yeah, well, I, obviously, we were all giddy and happy about another preseason win, the 15th in a row. And, and when you go back to the car, you turn on the radio, and you hear Harbaugh talking about Tavon Young as a serious neck injury and is you know probably going to be lost for the year. Uh, hopefully, it's not any more serious than that. It sounds like a disc injury sounds awfully serious in terms of his football career. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, obviously, first of all, get well soon, Taven. We want, we want you to, to be feeling better, period. But uh, can't help but worry about now what the Ravens are going to do in the in the meantime. Yeah, um, I am with, with Tavon Young. It, it worries me a little bit with it being a neck injury because I'm, I'm just afraid it might linger. Um, I'm afraid it might linger, like you did mention. Um, it could be, it could mess with his career long term. Um, so that that's that's the biggest part that worries me, because uh, I'm not even so. Or I am a little bit worried about this year with that slot corner position because we don't. I feel like we don't have anybody that's on Tavon's level at the slot cornerback position. Um, but once he does come back, I'm still gonna have uh, just my concerns about how that injury could affect him long term. Yeah, and we just went through this, it seems like, two or three years ago with Zach Orr and Mm. him having to retire over the other neck injury. It's different. Zach Orr's situation was congenital, and this is – this is a you know a, a, a you know injury to a disc, so hopefully it's something you can get over. But let's let's talk through some of the options they have because you mentioned it. It's going to be hard to replace. It's going to be impossible to replace Tavon. Let's let's face it to that. But to, even to get the position filled with a player who's you know at the league average or even slightly below may be difficult. So they've started the last two games with Cyrus Jones at slot corner, and he's played extensively. Played pretty well the first game. Had an interception. I thought he got kind of exposed in this last game. <laughs> yeah, this last game it definitely uh, didn't do him any favors. Um, and he actually should have given up a touchdown, but uh, the quarterback ended up overthrowing it. Um, but, yes, with Cyrus Jones, he is uh, – he can help his case. Uh, but he's going to have to do a lot of work these next two preseason games. Um, just, with, uh, just with staying with his man, just with being alert – um, and just being on top of things, I, I really think that uh, him as a punt returner, that definitely helps his case. Uh, but with making the roster, but him as a as the slot corner, uh, it's going to take some more work, in my opinion. Right. I, I agree. And, and I'm not even sure that they're going to stick with Jones as the starting slot corner in these last two games because I think they have to work through potential solutions mm-hmm. to such a much greater degree. And then maybe nobody is immediately ready. But they have a couple of guys now on the outside who can move in. I think there are three legitimate options there. The first is Brandon Carr, who might be the safest. He's very experienced, obviously, on the outside, but he's also played a fair amount of rotational nickel last year uh, when he came in. And Tavon, of course, didn't play all the snaps. Carr was one of the guys who played a fair number of snaps uh, in the slot. And he could be the safest option to go to in 2019. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was giving you a chance there. I, I can I can continue certainly. Um, the Ravens play just to give the listeners an idea. Only about fifteen and a half percent of the time do they play their base defense. Another one percent of the time they have only three defensive backs on the field, which means more than eighty percent of the time, about eighty three percent of the time now they have 
five defensive backs on the field. And almost all of those, there are a few exceptions, but almost all of those are three corners and two safeties, or at least three corners, I should say. So you have to have a slot corner in this league, in particular with the with the way the Ravens play defense and react to having three receivers on the field. Mm-hmm. So Brandon Carr is, is, is possibly number one. The second guy is Maurice Kennedy, who was there in the second half of 2017. Yeah, Maurice Kennedy is another option. Um, he has been battling injuries the past couple of years, but so far so good this uh, this off season and now this preseason. Um, I don't know with Maurice Kennedy. I, I feel like he he can play the slot. He can play outside too. And he can play a little bit of safety as well. But as far as him playing the slot, the thing that I, I've, I've noticed with Maurice Kennedy um, is that he comes close to making a lot of plays, but he he just misses out on them just by by that much. Um, not saying that he would be a bad option there, but I think um, I think they I think they're gonna they're gonna try to do a slot cornerback by committee. Uh, but somebody who I really want to see them test out at that position uh, is Anthony Avery, the second year cornerback. All right, yeah, you know, he's certainly a, a guy who would be a great hope, and they would have good replacements on the outside, which is strange because most teams they have an abundance of nickels. And they have not enough guys that are the right size and shape to play outside. And that was the Ravens' problem in the past. Now the Ravens have, an, have a it's exactly the opposite situation where they have tons of length on the outside. All of the big, tall guys you want uh, for press coverage, for, for the to length to play on the outside. But they have, they have limited options in the slot. And their options they have are not very good. So Cyrus Jones is one. Anthony Averett, he played a few snaps in the Kansas City game last year as the slot corner. Uh, and it's just a handful but when Tavon and, and Humphrey were both down, he was in at the slot briefly then. I think he probably is the best chance in terms of a guy who could surprise on the upside. I think Kennedy, we could get back to 2017. I think Carr could be okay. But I think Averett is the one guy who could, who could maybe give you more than either of those guys in the, on the slot that, that's currently on the team. Yeah, because he, um, he has the speed to hang with those smaller, shiftier receivers in the slot. Um, and with him being able to play on the outside, he has that versatility. Um, so I am hoping that he ends up being the guy. Um, I know with uh, with Anthony Avery, something that I noticed this preseason is that he uh, he doesn't turn around enough. And as a corner, you you do have to uh, look look back for where the ball is. You got to track the ball. So that's one thing that I see he struggled with. But I think that uh, just over time, with reps, with uh, with being in the games, um, I, I think that'll come. That'll come with time. But um, other than that, I think he's looked pretty good overall. I know he did give up the touchdown the other night. Um, but, uh, he, besides that, I think he's looked pretty good besides, besides tracking the ball, um, uh, but which is pretty important too. Yeah. He just, he lost that receiver on the cut and the, the receiver happened to make his, his reversal exactly as Averett was looking back towards the quarterback in that particular case. <laughs> but, uh, it was an unfortunate, it was an unfortunate, uh, giveaway. Averett didn't look too happy about it after the play, but, uh, he's very talented. I, I, I have a lot of hope and you know, what's really good about this from if I'm if I'm going to pick out the silver lining in this is that the Ravens desperately need to find out what they have with Anthony Averett. They're an older team at corner with both Jimmy Smith and Carr, a little long in the tooth. Jimmy Smith almost certainly will not be here next year. Some people will tell you he's not going to be here this year. Although I think the chance of that is improved. But but if if uh, Carr uh, might be here next year, he might not be. He's still got one year left on his deal if the Ravens want to exercise that option. Mm-hmm. And 
what it will help them decide is finding out what Anthony Aver can do. Is he, could he be a good slot corner? It, you know, he paid 65 snaps last year. He looked really good on the outside. Most of those are on the outside. I'd like to know there, too, as well. Can he do it? So getting forcing Anthony Avery into action in the slot, I think, would actually be good from, from that perspective in terms of the long-term future of the secondary. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because, yeah, with Jimmy Smith with one year left on his deal, um, yeah, like you said, he's probably most likely not going to be here next year. Um, and, it's, and then with the injury history, too. Uh, so the Ravens are they are not necessarily hitting the reset button at corner, but they could be uh, they could be a lot of changes coming to the cornerback position very soon. Um, yeah. I know they, they did draft uh, Eamon Marshall, um, so he he could have to step up. Uh, and I mean, we, we don't know how things are going to go yet. Of course, they're going to keep Marlon to resign him. I, I think they're going to do that as soon as next year, because I believe that's when he's eligible to get a new mm-hmm. deal. Um, but yeah, some there could be some big changes coming to the cornerback position, and that is in a position, especially in a passing league where you you can't have enough of corners, and especially good corners too. Uh, so that's been uh, for the Ravens' history. That's been a pretty good position for them, especially as far as uh, drafting and development. Um, but they they're just gonna have to continue that there, and hopefully, Averett can be that next guy up uh, that ends up being one of the next uh, good corners for the Ravens. Yeah, I'm very excited about about what Iman Marshall might get out of this too. Iman Marshall, that he could get some actual playing time this year on the outside if Averett is playing in the slot. I don't think he will get activations and be and 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 be as likely to be active on game day if they have the big surplus of corners they appear to have. It's almost like they'd carry him on the roster in order to have him practice, so they wouldn't have to put him on IR. He's obviously not going to the practice squad. He'd be taken in a in a heartbeat there. But mm-hmm. they, but they're you know he. He missed. He would miss the developmental year of practicing if he's sent to IR, and that would be a real shame. So I don't know the seriousness of his injury right now, but this also could be an opportunity for him to get some outside play this year if if Averitt moves inside. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So yeah, we'll see what happens with him in Marshall. So a couple guys, they still have a couple options beyond that, and and obviously this is the Raven way is there there could be a guy on the street now, and in particular at nickel, that's possible. You know, so maybe there's a Jalen Hill out there somewhere floating around in somebody's league who could come back and, and be a guy that they maybe knows the system a little bit. And it certainly was a pretty darn effective looking nickel corner a couple of years ago who could still do the job. Maybe they find somebody on cut down day. That's very possible because a lot of teams obviously have surplus at nickel where they don't have the surplus on the outside. It's kind of like having too many relievers and not enough starting pitchers in baseball. Relievers like the nickel, and, and they're, they're limited in terms of their ability to play on the outside, but uh, they're also different from, from starting pitchers. Anyway, I, I think they could get somebody then. We haven't ruled out the possibility of a trade yet either. I mean, mm-hmm. the Ravens have surplus talent at several positions where they're really asking about, you know, how could we get value from a certain player you know whether it's an outside linebacker like Shane Ray, it would have been a cornerback before this. It could even be Jimmy Smith. They trade for a slot corner. That wouldn't be out of the question in my mind, given the fact that they seem to be okay letting Jimmy Smith go and harvesting a salary cap value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would uh that would be something if the Ravens did end up trading for somebody. I think they would go more along the lines of um of course they're going to test the guys out in the next couple of preseason games, but um if they just really don't find anything. I think a trade is possible, but I I, I would lean more towards uh, the cut now. 
I think they will look more towards the cut down day um, because it is something that they do. Uh, and of course, they were under a different GM before, but I, I still think uh, they could use that same uh, that same idea moving forward and look for somebody on cut down day who they feel they could plug and play right away. And they could whether hold down that slot cornerback position or just uh, contribute heavily to that slot cornerback position, even if they still do it uh, by committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty good chance that you know the approach that you're talking about by committee or a rotational basis, which they used on the outside last year. I mean, one of the really odd things about last year was the the team MVP was an outside corner who played 68% of the team snaps. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, if if you're an outside corner, you typically play pretty close to 100% of the snaps for the games in which you're active. Humphrey didn't didn't even come close to that. And he was inactive a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, just a, a, a very odd situation. Uh, I guess that pretty well exhausts the thing. Obviously, they could trade a draft pick. They now have a big stable of draft picks for next year, either 10 or 11 if they cut Bethel at some point and recover a conditional, sorry, a compensatory pick. Mm-hmm. So they could still have some draft capital they could trade uh, if they needed to. And, and I think that becomes more useful if they're trying to really move up in class in terms of the guy they get. So if if the guy who they got a few years ago who would exactly meet their need right now is Josh Wilson, Oof. yeah, or or Corey Graham would have been another guy that they they signed him, but they they traded for Josh Wilson. But if they had a chance to get a player like that, I'd be all over dumping a mid round pick as needed of you know a four or a five for a guy who has maybe maybe two years of team control involved. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, one thing that I have noticed with. Um, with Eric DaCosta, really, especially with the um, the Earl Thomas signing, is that uh, he has shown that he's willing to pay. And even with the re-signings that he's done, he's willing to pay. If he thinks you're a good fit, if he thinks he can use you, then he's willing to pay uh, whatever he needs to pay to keep you or to get you. So in this case, uh, if a trade were to be made, then if he felt you were a good fit, then he should. I think he would be willing to give up uh, whatever it took uh, in order to acquire a player to hold down that slot cornerback position. All right. All right. Well, let's let's get back to the happy news of the day and talk about some of the other opportunities now, because if, in my grading system, I grade people plus three to minus three on the game. And unfortunately, the Tavon news is about a minus 30 on that scale relative to all these other things we're going to talk about. But we got a few pluses and minuses we'll, we'll discuss now and get more to the happy stuff, which is how are they going to cut down their six outside linebackers into five is the is the next question on the list. So. You know, I look at this and and I was happy to see Martindale make a defensive shift in this game to create more early opportunity to play those outside linebackers. So to give you a little background, the, the Ravens during the regular season, and I know you know this, kick, kick an outside linebacker inside to play that joker role and play usually in the dime defense with only one defensive lineman and three outside linebackers. And they don't do that during the preseason. They normally stick with their regular nickel or regular dime with two down linemen, which only leaves two outside linebackers on the field. There's advantages and disadvantages to that. You obviously, if you have the extra line on the field, you'll find out if those guys can rush the passer. And the Ravens do really need to find out if they have anybody, Willie Henry, who can rush the, rush the passer from the inside. So they need to figure that out. But they more need to figure out how good are these outside linebackers relative to each other, particularly... Ferguson, McPhee, and Tim Williams, who are all on the rush side. Mm-hmm. Now, with um, with McPhee, uh, McPhee, I had questions about him before. When they first signed him, I wasn't 
I wasn't uh I wasn't all in on him uh being back with the Ravens. I just felt like uh, uh yeah, he's probably not going to be a lock here. He it was like questionable to me whether he was going to make the team or not, but after watching him these last two games and of course I know it's preseason, but still, after watching him these last two games, I feel like he's he's definitely going to be there uh come week 1. Um I just I like his versatility. Um he, yeah, he can bring it from the inside, but he can bring it from the outside too and he can set the edge really well. Um but just with uh, with Ferguson, with Jalen Ferguson, um, I've seen a lot of strength from him. He has a lot of strength. He has a lot of just raw power. Uh, and on the bull rush, he's great. He's very, mm-hmm. like I said, that 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 raw power. Um, but I just think uh, the the finesse part of it, um, the technique. I think he's got to work on that. But one thing that he does definitely have, he has some good football instincts. He has a way to find the ball carrier. Um, but I'm just I don't know. I just with with him uh, he, and he's a rookie, so it's gonna take time. Everything's not gonna click like that. Um, but I uh, I do like McPhee. I like McPhee uh, setting that edge. Um, Tim Williams, he's been bringing a lot of pressure too. Um, but I just I feel like those those have been the only guys. Well, Judon too, but those have really been the only guys that have been bringing that consistent pressure uh, from the outside. Uh, so that that's actually another position. I know we spoke earlier about. Uh, trading for a slot cornerback, but I, I really do think that they may look for another pass rusher too. But would you go for an inside pass rusher? I mean, obviously they had a chance to pick up McCoy during the offseason and then another chance at Daniels during the offseason. Both are guys who would provide at least a uh, a moderate amount of inside pass rush from a defensive lineman. <laughs> but they also, Willie Henry last year, this is a stat not a lot of people know. Okay. Of all the other players other than Willie Henry, the other defensive linemen, the highest who had a per, the percentage of sacks while he was in the game was Urban at 6.4%. Willie Henry, percentage of sacks when he was in the game, 21.2%. Okay, 11 out of 52 for the season. So I, I'm really happy with what they have in that one down lineman they're typically going to play. But if they, I, I would agree with you that if they could get Jadavian Clowney, they've got to consider it at whatever price it is. Or if they can get, uh, you know, McCoy, I think they did consider it. And and at the at the minimum, they drove up the price for what might have been the Browns. It ended up being the Panthers, but it might have been the Browns that signed him. So I, I was happy they were at least in the discussion for that. <laughs> I want to go back to somebody you said we talked about earlier, though, McPhee. Mm-hmm. What I saw in the in the second game was. He does not look like a guy who who is coming off a series of knee injuries. No. He looks like he's found the fountain of youth. I mean, he, he had a pursuit of the outside on one play and, and eventually made the tackle, but the running back couldn't get around him. And and that's not supposed to happen with a with an older, slower guy. And while McPhee only played uh, you know less than twenty snaps a game, I think it might have been eighteen snaps a game last year. Uh, you know, he looks like a guy who might be able to play more than that this year. And that's not normal. As you age, you should be able to play only less. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is true. Uh, with McF- with McPhee, what, what has me more excited about him is, uh, like you said, with him playing limited snaps last year. And I think uh, him coming into the with the Ravens this year, I think they may expect him to play limited snaps. But if he's playing like that, then the snaps may go up. Um, but if he does uh, play limited snaps... He's going to be fresh. Mm-hmm. He's Love going to be it. fresh throughout the games. He's going to be fresh throughout the season. 
And he's going to be able to bring just that much more energy and that much more consistent energy every time he's on the field, man. So that's uh, that, that's super exciting to think about. And just seeing how good he looked over these past two preseason games, well, it's, it's, it's going to be fun watching him. Yeah, and when, when McPhee was with the Ravens in 2014, I really felt like he drove that pass rush. He was the, the Ravens' most important pass rush piece, even though Suggs and Dumerville had enormous sack years. But McPhee that year played 48.2% of the snaps. So very well rested, and they used him effectively in the 2012 postseason run. They just brought him in as needed. That New England game, I think he only played six snaps in the first half, and then he came in in the second half of the AFC Championship game, and he was the best defensive player on the field. So I love keeping fresh pass rushers for late in ball games, and McPhee, because he's so critical to demanding a double team on the inside and creating opportunities both for the other one-on-one players along the line, but also for the blitzes. The scheme you can run around that is is just so important. So uh, I I would love to see him kept fresh if it can be done. What the Ravens are going to then have to find is who's the guy who can do what he can as a run defender. And that's where I really want Tim Williams to step up. Yeah, this is his time. This is what, his third year, I believe, Tim Williams? That's correct. Um, so, yeah, I think the biggest thing that's been that with Tim Williams has been like last year, I felt like he was doing a pretty good job uh, toward the end of the season, but then he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he got hurt. And then when he was, I think he got an in- ankle injury, I believe. And then when it, uh, when he wasn't injured anymore, it just, I felt like there wasn't a place for him. They already had their uh, rotation of guys and whatnot. And he just, there wasn't any place for him. So I believe he was inactive for the, uh, toward the end of the season. Um, but he's just got to keep doing what he's doing. Keep stacking these games. Um, and, I don't really see much kind of sad, but I don't really see much other competition uh, for him at the uh, at, at pass Russia um, because obviously Matt Judon, he's a lock to make the team. Um, but behind Tim Williams, where we have Bowser, uh, Shane Ray has been super quiet uh, as far as an outside pass rusher. Uh, so Tim Williams right now, he, he actually looks kind of safe to me. Yeah, he looks safe to me, too, and t- entirely safe. Bowser does, too, frankly. We've talked about this a little bit on the show on past episodes, but Bowser is a Sam linebacker, so he and Judon are the only two who can do that. They're the only guys with any coverage skills, so they have to play on that side with the with the tight end. And when they – they're the only ones who re- realistically can cover. None of the other guys. The other guys are all pure pass rushers and, and you know, hopefully provide some run defense. But – because Judon is a real risk to leave after this season, I don't see any way that they can cut Bowser now. And in fact, I think after this season, it will immediately jump to the to the top of the Ravens' draft needs to to draft that next Sam linebacker. But they have some nice options now on the on the rush side between Williams, who I think will get the most snaps of anybody, and McPhee, who should play both outside and inside, but probably will start most games at the rush linebacker spot. And then you, and then you've got Ferguson, who I don't know how much time he's going to get, but uh, you know he'll be a situational pass rusher this year, and maybe he'll see fifteen percent of the snaps, or maybe he'll see thirty percent of the snaps if he really comes on. Yeah, yeah, he, um, yeah, I think he's got a little, a little ways to go. Uh, he, he definitely won't be out there for the majority of the defensive snaps. Um, but yeah, they'll ease him along, I think, throughout the season, and he'll get more and more. Uh, it'll get ramped up as the season continues. All right. Hope you're, I really hope you're right on that. And you and I are both in agreement that we think Shane Ray is on the outside looking in at this point? Yeah, yeah. I just, no, nah, he hasn't. I, I don't think he's shown anything yet. Um, he's a guy that I was I was super excited for when they signed him. 
Because I'm like, man, um, Shane Ray, I know he's had his injury problems and whatnot, but this guy was a first-round pick, so he's got all the potential in the world. There was a reason he was a first-round pick, but I just haven't even seen any flashes of anything yet. But again, still two preseason games left, um, so and they still have plenty of practices in between those. So hopefully something just clicks and he can take off. But right now, yeah, I think he's on the outside looking in. Young guy, but he did not enter the game until the first drive of quarter three in this last game. So that's the, that's the biggest indicator to me of where the coaches think he is on the depth chart. They can talk all they want about the coach speak, but they, they don't lie about when they put players into the game. That, that just tells them so much about the preseason and, and where the, what they really think the depth chart is. So I'm with you. I, I think Shane Ray's probably uh, now down to a very low probability of making the team. I, there may be another team who will want him. Maybe he's the kind of guy you can trade for an outside corner, sorry, for a slot corner uh, that somebody else has as a surplus. You probably wouldn't get the best guy in the world because everybody realizes Shane Ray is going to be going to probably be cut. But uh, maybe you get something. Yeah, that's a possibility. So you never know. I think you, if you did get something, you may have to uh, package him uh, with something else, maybe a, a draft pick or something like that, depending on the, uh, the player you get in return for. Yeah, very possible. All right. We always like to talk through some individual performances in this game. And one of the things that stuck out to me was Chris Board's injury and what that might mean for the Ravens. Just an ugly hit. It did not seem as bad in live play. And, you know, I was kind of pissed off about it missing the tackle. And then I saw the replay and I'm like, oh, my God, that's awful. Yeah. I understand why. <laughs> yeah. With um yeah it does uh, it does open the door because they've been talking about all camp they've been talking about how he leapfrogged Kenny Young, um so this gives Kenny Young an opportunity uh to step up and sort of reclaim his spot back and again it, it doesn't it is unfortunate for Chris Board, uh but this happens every single football season where guys they lose their spot to injury, uh it's unfortunate but it's the life of the NFL. Uh, so Kenny Young, he has all the opportunity in the world right now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking. Kenny Young's snaps will certainly be increased mm-hmm. from this board injury. But the, the two guys that I think have a, now a chance to make the team and maybe get some rotational snap play as well, which is really unusual that you change from probably being on the outside to not only being on the inside, but also probably getting some act, actual playing time, are Ataro Alaka, who had a great game, against Green Bay. Six tackles, two tackles for loss, flying all over the field, mm-hmm. shedded defenders. All his tackles were for very short yardage in the game, which is something I really like to look at. None of them were on a play of greater than six yards, and he had two tackles for loss. Alvin Jones, of course, had that nine-yard sack. It was mm-hmm. kind of slow developing, but it was still he, he, he shed the running back to do it, so he had to, he had to actually make a pass rush move. Uh, either one of those guys, they both wore the green dot during the game. So the Ravens are really rotating that signal calling responsibility to make sure everybody knows how to do it. So if they have to make changes, they they can. I do think Peanut will have it during the year, but yeah. I'm excited about those two guys. Yeah, I, I like uh, especially Alaka. Um, he, like you said, he did fly around. And my favorite part about him is he's making a lot of open field tackles. And he was a very uh, solid wrap up tackler, uh, fast to the ball carrier. Um, he showed good instincts and. Ravens, they they have a knack at finding these undrafted guys, these linebackers that some people maybe never heard of or might not be too fond of, and just turning them into to stars and into playmakers. So um, he's again with with the injury, the injury to Chris Board is unfortunate. Hopefully he can recover sooner rather than later from it. Um, but yeah, this does give a guy like Alaka 
um, a chance to definitely uh, have a spot on the roster. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I haven't I haven't really watched. I know Alvin Jones has been a special teams player for for a lot of his time. Uh, I'm not sure how much special teams Alaka is playing. I really need to go back and look at that because there, there may be that certainly may be a factor in terms of which one of these two makes the roster. Mm-hmm. All right, let's yeah. move on. I'm okay. sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. Um, Deshaun Elliott, mm-hmm. I thought he, he had a great game in the first week. Just did did everything in terms of of being around the line of scrimmage, really hammering. Uh, Ball carriers, they didn't have any long runs. I think their long run was eight yards for the Jaguars in that game. And a lot of that was the safety play coming up and cleaning up on plays before they became breakaways. And Elliott in particular had one or two of those. He was also in the backfield some. But this game, I like the fact that he got more deep snaps, more of those cover two reps, because I think that's really what they need to figure out they have in Elliott. He's, he's definitely a playmaker. But is he a guy who can play free safety after Thomas is done, perhaps, or that they can trust to be the strong safety with all of the cover two responsibility that comes with that? Or can he only be a dime in the future? And I'm sure he could do that very well as as well. Yeah, I think uh, I really do believe that he's being groomed to take over for Tony Jefferson, uh, even maybe as early as next year. Um, so, yeah, with Elliott, he, he has been... I spoke about it before in videos. He he just looked like he's been ready for this opportunity for a while now. He's been waiting. Of course, he had the uh, the fractured forearm last year that kept him out the entire season. Um, but he is somebody that that hits. He can make some plays. There was my favorite play from him um, was when he there was a pass thrown to a tight end. He was in mm-hmm. coverage on the tight end, and it looked like the tight end caught it. And I was like, oh man, Elliot gave up the catch, but. He, he played through the entire play and ended up knocking the ball out like at the last second. Uh, and that just it, it was just a glimpse um, of what the possibility could be with him uh, at that safety position, holding it down on the on the back end there. So um, and of course, he's been he's been flying around. He almost I don't remember if it was this week or it was last week where he almost caught a pick, but he just came just a little bit short. Um, either way, uh, he yeah, like you said, he is a playmaker. And again, I, I think they they grooming him to take over for Tony Jefferson. Yeah, I mean, could be Jefferson will be signed for one more year. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's that's a frequent time where players are cut on the last year of the deal because of the cap savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jefferson could be extended. He's been awfully good with this defense, but the Ravens' strength at corner may mean they spend the money somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, point. at safety, at safety, at safety. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think we talked a little bit about these corners earlier, but maybe we didn't touch on Stanley John Baptiste. Uh, I thought he looked good the other the other night. Iman obviously was out of the game, but but uh, SJB had two really nice plays in the fourth quarter. One was similar to the play you just mentioned by Elliott, where he stripped the tight end from behind. And in this case, you rarely see it on a slant pass, but uh, very long corner. SJB wrapped up the uh, the third string or fourth string receiver, whoever it was. And stripped him of the football on a slant. On the very next play, he got him to commit an offensive pass interference against it. Yeah, with, with Stanley Jane Baptiste, like I said, he's a very long corner, lengthy guy. Um, so he would be somebody that they could pop, they could, they or they would normally play on the outside. Um, so yeah, and yeah, that play that he made was a really nice play. Uh, he stuck with it. He showed that um, that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess just that perseverance through the play to not give up because he could have easily given up the uh, the completion, but he stuck with the receiver. Um, and he, again, injuries 
they bump everybody up that much further up on that depth chart. Uh, so with Jane Baptiste, with Tavon Young's injury, uh, he could get more, or he's gonna get more snaps, um, and he, he'll have another, he'll have a chance to make the roster. And I think, yeah. uh, what I think what'll be big for him though, with making the roster, would be special teams. Um, specialty, I think he's gonna have to play special teams because this, I mean, right now he's not gonna get many snaps uh, if he were to make the roster. But special teams is gonna be have to be his way on. But his versatility as an outside corner and a special teamer, the more that he can do, the bigger chance that he has to make it. Yeah, that, I, I agree. That should really help. And and unfortunately, some of the players who are making special teams tackles now for the Ravens won't still be around. Uh, right. Some of these receivers and and whatnot who made. Uh, Floyd has made some tackles already in this preseason. Jaleel Scott may not be active on game day. He may be. He, may, he probably. I think he's got over a fifty percent chance to make the roster right now. But but he's he's still on the bubble in yeah. terms of, of who he is. He made two tackles. So there's 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 definitely playmaking on special teams to be had for for that next guy up who mm-hmm. who will actually be there on game day. Mm-hmm. I agree. Want to talk about um, another player who I, I was excited by his performance in kind of a limited way. He played only in the second half, Daylon Mack, uh, on the defensive line. So fifth-round draft pick, and he came in, let's see here, keep our handy-dandy chart from this, on the first drive of the second half and played all until the – he did not play on the final drive, but he played until then. Had two plays that really stuck out to me in this game. So he had a um, – uh, Pass rush where he was in so quickly on a screen pass that he forced it to be thrown incomplete. And that's really unusual for a defensive tackle to be that quick to the quarterback. Or maybe the timing was just that bad from the Packers and the second half team and who they had. But I'd like to think it was a lot of Mac getting there quickly, which forced that incomplete pass. Yeah, Daylon Mac. Yeah, I believe that's the screen pass where it looked like almost everybody just stopped uh, and it's still still for a little bit. But um. Dalen Mack is uh he's in a good position. Um he's on a team that has been known to uh, draft and develop defensive linemen very well. Um they have some he's he's behind some great guys, of course, with Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce. Um but if he can provide that interior pressure as a defensive lineman, um then then that can go a long way with him getting an, an increased amount of snaps, especially when uh, in those games where uh, Michael Pierce may be a little more tired and then he, they have to rotate. And then they rotate along the defensive line anyway. They're mm-hmm. going to bring guys out, take guys out, bring guys in. Um, so if he keeps it up, then, yeah, he'll be good to go, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think he's an important piece for the future. And it's really important for the Ravens again this year as a rookie to figure out what they have with Daylon Mack because uh, next year there's a g- pretty high likelihood that Pierce is going to be lost to free agency. The year after that, it's possible that they'll want to decide whether or not Brandon Williams is still the proper contractual value to continue. So, Mac, they're going to have to really have another very big man, and and he's the best candidate they've got right now. They've got Gerald Willis, who hasn't really shown a whole lot, uh, only played eight snaps in the game. But Mac is the guy, and, and he's the guy who might bring a little bit of interior pressure. Right. Yeah, Jared Willis is somebody that I was um I'm excited for, but yeah, we just haven't haven't seen too much of him uh, on the field. Uh, so it's gonna be something to watch over the next two preseason games uh, because I, I really thought I really felt like he was a guy that was almost just a lock to make the roster. They gave him the highest uh, signing bonus out of all the undrafted rookie free agents. Um, and again, like I said, same same thing for Daylon Mack with Jared Willis. He's on a team that that develops defensive linemen so well. Um, and I felt like he was going to have a nice shot to make the roster. 
Um, but as far as his, the playing time that he's gotten over the t- past two preseason games, it hasn't really been much. So hopefully for his sake, uh, moving forward, um, he can get a lot more snaps and, and really show them uh, what he can do. And hopefully he can take off. Yeah. They're down. That UDFA streak is in some jeopardy this year. I guess they have three guys who are reasonable possibilities still left. So they have the wide receiver, Anton Wesley, still still an outside chance to, yeah. to make it. Um, uh, you have Patrick McCarry on the offensive line who I think is likely to make it only with injury. I didn't really like how, I, I mean, let's say this. He didn't play as well as the other interior line um, players getting evaluated, Illuminor Powers and Bozeman in this last game. So that, that, that set him back a notch from where he was. And then, of course, the third guy you have is Willis. So if, if one of those three guys doesn't make it, the streak could possibly be broken this year. Hmm. Yeah. And how, how long has it been? 14? Yeah, that sounds about right. 13, 14 years, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, So so that's quite a record. Yeah, it is. So we'll see if it continues or not. All right. We normally, at this point in the show, talk through our defensive MVPs for the game. And I I can go three to one through mine. Uh, If you want to play along at the same time, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool, too. What do you say, Justin? All right. I'm I'm with it. Okay. So my number three guy is Otaro Alaka. Had a big game. I think we've talked about it enough already, but really happy with what we're seeing. Yeah. Again, yeah, he he flew around to the ball uh, a lot. Uh, but for my number three guy, you said three to one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who would be my number three? Hmm. I'm going to go. I'm going to go McPhee. I'm going to go Pernell McPhee. Um, just showing that that ability to both set the edge and, and bring that outside pressure. Um, and like like you mentioned earlier, that play where he just that running back track, they I believe it was a toss play, and McPhee just stayed with him. He would not let him pass him. He would not let him advance at all. And he ended up taking him down and taking him to the to the sideline. But um, I, I will go with McPhee as my number three guy. Okay, wouldn't argue with that one. I'll go my number two guy, Patrick Ricard. Just a, a, he's. A Superman in preseason. I, I don't really believe we're going to see him a lot on the defensive line this year, but I really love what he's doing on offense. For, for my number two, my number two guy is going to be Tim Williams. Uh, Tim Williams is just trying to show everybody that he belongs. He's been bringing uh, a consistent pass rush, uh, and he, he knows the Ravens need it desperately. Um, that's uh, one of their biggest inconsistencies from last year was their pass rush department. Um, and right now, I, I just feel like it, it could be an inconsistency this year. Hopefully not. But um, to, I would say Tim Williams is my number two because he's been showing some nice flashes this preseason so far. He gets number one for me. Uh, definitely has been the most consistent pass rusher. And both games he's had uh, you know, various things he's doing to get to the quarterback, whether it's that, that uh, inside move, he's, he's, he's gone with speed. I don't know that we've seen the spin move yet this preseason. I can't remember it, but that's uh, that's still there, I'm sure, and he's ready to use it. So very excited about what he's done so far, and I hope he gets the most snaps for the Ravens at the rush linebacker spot this year. Who's your number one? My number one is actually Patrick Ricard. Um, Patrick Ricard is a guy I really, I really did not see him being on this roster this upcoming season, uh, simply for the fact that uh, throughout the last, what, six, seven games last year, he was inactive once Lamar Jackson took over. 
And I figured, okay, with Patrick Ricard, he's a fullback and a defensive lineman. Um, but in this Lamar Jackson offense, they're not going to really need a fullback. They can put Nick Boyle at a fullback spot. And they can have him move around and whatnot. So I didn't see Patrick Ricard as a part of this offense. I figured, oh, yeah, he'll just be one of those. Once they go from 90 to 53, he'll be on the outside. Uh, he will get on a team, but he'll be on the outside. But after these past two games, like the first game I thought, first preseason game, I thought, okay, yeah, maybe he just had a hot game or whatever. Um, but then he did it again uh, this past game. He brought interior pressure. He They had they played him on offense, defense, um, and they, they used him a lot. They, they, had, they had him run on those two fourth down plays. Mm-hmm. Um, had him as a fullback throughout the game, and so he was he was he was used excessively. Um, so Patrick Ricard, he just the fact that he's been doing it on both sides, making plays on both sides, and making a lot of plays, he's my number one uh, right now. Very very much uh, like that pick. We we normally we just do the defense here, but you're you're absolutely right that Ricard in terms of the overall game, no question about it. I'm really excited about the additional fourth down component he brought, or, the, or sorry, the short yardage component he brought, just because the Flacco offense, that was one of the strengths that they had. They were Flacco was extremely good at the quarterback sneak. It's not Lamar's thing. Lamar wants to run out of the shotgun. And he does, I don't want to risk Lamar on quarterback sneaks, frankly, but Ricard, he's unstoppable in terms of his ability on the, <laughs> on the short yardage play. They line him up so close to the line of scrimmage for that handoff, too. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's very hard to stop. So very excited about that. Tell you what, now let's, let's turn to the mailbag. Josh, how are we doing? All right. Well, you guys missed the number one MVP of the game, which is Aaron Rodgers, because anytime you don't have to face the best quarterback <laughs> in the game right now, you're, you're good, even if it is preseason. <laughs> but before we get to the mailbag, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. But let's get, uh, we've got a few questions here in the mailbag. Again, you can, this is your chance, listeners, to steer the show using the hashtag Film Study Mailbag on Twitter or going over to filmstudyravens.com and commenting on any of the posts and getting your questions in there. So lots of questions about Tavon Young and how this all balances out and what that means for Cyrus Jones and if it means we can even trade Jimmy Smith or think about that. So there's about six uh, questions all about Tavon Young and how this affects things. We addressed that at the top. Is there anything else you guys have thought of in the past 40 minutes you want well, to get to? How, how about we each pick one like solution to this that you think is the most likely? So why don't you go, Justin, in terms of what you think is the most likely, and then I'll pick the second most likely if you take mine. I think um, most likely what the Ravens are going to do for the uh, to replace Tavon Young is replace him by committee. Replace, replace him with the rotation of guys, whether it being uh, Brandon Carr, Maurice Kennedy, Anthony Averett. Um, I, I think it's not. I don't think it's just going to be one guy that holds down that spot. I think it's going to be a, a multitude of guys. Okay, see, it's hard for me to disagree with that because I basically agree with about 90% of it. I do think they want to see what Anthony Hayward has, and I think he'll be the primary slot corner. So I would look for him to play 75 or 80% of the snaps, but then I, I agree with you that they will continue to rotate because Martindale likes fresh defensive players. And having different players you know, that, that are taking regular rests is not only good for rest, but it's also good for the amount of effort you get out of those players when they're in there for their limited snaps, not just freshness. I mean, in terms of they are more motivated to put in a hundred percent effort on that play because they don't get as many chances. Okay. That makes sense. All what right. Else you got, Josh. All right. Uh, let's go with Jalen. Who's wondering with the loss of Mosley and Suggs, 
Uh, would a 4-3 scheme instead of a 3-4 on set downs be best for our current defense? I'll take a crack at that first. I think the 4-3-3-4 thing is very overplayed. Um, First of all, the Ravens only play their base defense, which is what we think of as the 3-4, on about 15.5% of snaps. So we we talked about that just briefly earlier. That's really the only time they play a true 3-4. Most of the rest of the time, they have a four-man pass rush up front. Oftentimes it's four down, but sometimes it's two up, two down, or three up, one down. Sorry, three down, one up. But anyway, you 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 have a four-man front on basically all nickel plays. So that's much more akin to the to what you typically would have seen from a four-three anyway. So that difference is a little overblown. So I'm I I don't really see there being a a need to shift what the Ravens do defensively. I think their personnel works really well with the way they run their packages now. Yeah, I I agree with you 150 percent on that one. Um, don't don't fix what's not broken. Don't fix what's not broken. Um, Wink has been, I mean, really just even Dean Peace, but Wink has been sensational um, this past season. And even just in the glimpses, I know he hasn't been able to show his whole hand in the preseason, but even in the glimpses of the defense that we got, especially with the starters being out there, um, I, I, I think, yeah, they should just leave it as is. They don't need to switch anything at all. So I agree with you. You hit it on the head. All right, let's stick All with right. the theme of people being gone and uh, Zedari Smith gone as well, which ends up putting a lot of pressure on Tyus Bowser on his third year to mm-hmm. actually become a uh, player when we haven't seen much for him. What do the Ravens have as far as that if Bowser does not work out? Okay, so uh, let me. I, I, I'll, I'll say how I see it a little differently. That Bowser's a Sam linebacker, so Bowser is the backup to Matt Judon. They'll, they share snaps occasionally. There are times when the two of them are on the field, but it's actually not all that common. The 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 who uh, is being Suggs is the rush linebacker, and and Zadarius Smith is a rush slash inside linebacker. So he played rush linebacker when he played outside, and when he plays inside, he's really replacing the job that McPhee is replacing the job that Zedarius will do. When he played outside, it's Tim Williams and McPhee to a lesser extent, and perhaps also Ferguson that will be replacing those snaps. So I'm actually fairly optimistic about them being able to provide a total pass rush that would be almost as good as what they had with Zedarius and Suggs last year. Suggs wasn't at his top pass rush motor, and I think those three guys – can provide enough and kept fresh to be similar to the production of those two. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The, the only part that I don't agree with um, is just with with Bowser. Yeah, he, he does play the same position as a Matt Judon, but I just, I, I still, because I know you mentioned earlier in the show how um, with him playing the same position as Matt Judon, those are the guys that have to cover the tight ends, and they're the only guys that have coverage skills um, at that position, and that they don't have any depth beyond that. But I just, I don't know, man. I, for some reason, I just don't see him making it right. Right now, I think he's one of the guys on the outside looking in. Um, I just don't see it right now. All right. Maybe. Well, fair enough. We will, uh, we'll, I would be shocked if he didn't, but that's, uh, that's okay. We, uh, we, we want to have all different opinions on this show, so that's great. Right. And Ken, you saying Suggs didn't have his best year last year, I'm going to write that down as a negative comment you made about Suggs because it's very rare that yes, you say anything very rare, about yes. Suggs. <laughs> yes. uh, let's that's close, true. Let's close out the mailbag with at Raven Raves, who was saying, is Sealer's roster spot 
increase in increasing jeopardy with Ricard uh, bowling out on both the defense and offensive side of the ball and with inside linebacker depth already being tested here, which UDFA has the best chance of making the roster? Okay, so let's. I guess let's start with a question it's about, kind of about Sealer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, in, in terms of Sealer, I've kind of been disappointed with his performance so far. He, he was a lot better in last year's preseason. He's playing a lot of the same second-half opportunities this year that he did last year. There's an enormous opportunity for the Ravens at Fitech. They lost Brent Urban, who, was, who played more than 50% of the snaps last year, and they have to replace all of that. With Chris Wormley, who played other places, but now looks to have taken a significant step forward in year three. And and also, Sealer is the other guy. And the Ravens love him. I do, too. But I just wish he'd shown more in this preseason to, to prove he deserves this roster spot. Yeah, his preseason for um, for Zach has been really, really quiet. So I do think uh, Pat, Pat Ricard is putting a lot of crazy pressure on him. Yeah, they won't play the same position or whatnot. But as far as uh, the, the, the defensive line and how many defensive linemen they keep, uh, like I said earlier, Patrick Ricard is somebody that I had looking on the outside in, but now I think he's on the inside looking out, um, and he could end up making Zach Sila uh, expendable. All right. Now the other question is about the UDFA's. Do you have yes. one you want to pick that of the three that, or, or, or of anybody that you think will make it? Mm, before it was Gerald Willis. Um, as of right now, these past two preseason games, um, Alaka. Uh, just because it is a linebacker spot where they uh, they don't have crazy depth there. Um, and he's a guy that, from from the looks of it, from what he's shown so far, uh, you can put him in there and he'll be willing to fly around. Um, so he, he would be my guy. Yeah, like you know, I overlooked him, and you're absolutely correct. That's got to be the most likely at this point. He was in earlier in the game than Alvin Jones was, which tells you what they think of him depth-wise. Obviously, he had a big game. He's got to be the more likely. I'd say of the other three now, it is a very tight three-horse race. And I might say that Antoine Wesley now has the best chance of the three to make it just because the wide receiver position has had some injuries. I'm not sure Seth Roberts is a sure thing anymore Mm. to make the team. I'm certainly not sure Michael Floyd is a a sure thing to make the team. So you you got some spots there after the big four to fill Mm. two more out of, I think, four guys that include – Roberts and Floyd, but it also includes Wesley and Julio Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see I don't see Michael Floyd making the roster at all. Um, I I just really don't think he has a chance at all with Wesley. Uh, he we heard some stuff about him in in the practices and in the training camp and whatnot, but in the games, um, it's like it's almost like he hasn't really been there. Uh, he did make the nice catch a few nights ago, um, but other than that, it really hasn't been been much from him. So. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I can't see him making it right now, but like you said, the, uh, with the wide receiver position, it, there have been injuries. Seth Roberts in, is injured right now. Hollywood is still working his way back. And of course he's a lock to make the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still working his way back and he did have his, uh, he, he was a full participant in the practice today. Um, uh, so that's a good sign as far as Hollywood. I think he could make his debut, uh, in the preseason Maybe play a series or two, maybe in the preseason this, uh, versus the Eagles. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, as far as receiver, yeah, there's still a lot of question marks there at that position. All right. All right, Josh. Yeah. Well, make sure you get in your questions, hashtag film study mailbag over on Twitter and make sure you're going and checking out filmstudyravens.com where there is constantly new stuff being posted up by Ken. Ken, I know 
We just went through the defense, spent, uh, I don't know, 40 minutes going through the defense. and But it's all written up right now on filmstudyravens.com as well. Yes, that's right. So there's an article that forms a lot of the basis of what we talked about today. And then, of course, we have a guest that, that adds a whole other layer of fun to that. But the, the article out there that has my grading for the game, and we talked about a few players here. Every player that's on the fringe of the roster is basically addressed in that article. So it's it's uh, it's a good place to get your preseason uh, cliff notes for, for what went on, and uh, a lot of people kind of appreciate those articles. This podcast will post tomorrow, which is of no use to tell people that a podcast will post tomorrow because when it posts, they're already listening to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it it uh, it will post on on Sunday, and uh, and that's your next thing. And the, and the last thing to be produced this week will probably come out on Tuesday. Is a uh, scoring of the four major offensive line interior hopefuls, so Illuminar, Makari, Powers, and Bozeman, and that should come out on Tuesday. We talked a little bit about it on the offense show, but that'll be the the offensive line scoring article that you're more used to. All right, that's awesome. And then we talked at the beginning about engraving vids over on YouTube, Twitter. You're on everything. Instagram, you're, you're, you're up on there all over the place. I just subscribed to your YouTube channel. Really excited about the content you've got going on over there. So anything else to share about that? I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you hit everything. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, everything is engraving vids. Uh, I really, really sincerely appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thank you for this. Oh well, thank, thanks for you having us. Well, uh, well, I, for coming on with us, we we appreciate it greatly. We've been looking forward to it for a while. Yeah, this was fun, man. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Man. All right, and then we've been getting some questions on Twitter recently on how to help support the show and everything. And the best thing you can do is just spread the word and go write reviews over on iTunes. So tell your friends about the show. Uh, about Engraven Ravens YouTube channel as well and filmstudyravens.com, bookmark it in your office or wherever there's computers. And just the best thing you can do is just tell people. So, all right, guys. Spread well, the word. All right, yep, spread the word. All right, guys, well, we will talk again soon. We've got a few days until we see the Ravens compete again. everything you need speed that can handle anything and now xfinity delivers wi-fi speed faster than a gig check out our amazing offers on internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from xfinity wi-fi speed faster than a gig that's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some go online call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more restrictions apply gig wi-fi requires gig speed and compatible x5 gateway actual speeds vary and not guaranteed Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.